1: Spins it to four wow. great defense by the rookie out of Arizona State. Another ferocious slam by Alan Diallo. For
2: the lead, Gildas Alexander got it. The Thunder lead by one. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested post game podcast: The Oklahoma City Thunder fall to the San Antonio Spurs tonight, one twelve to one hundred two. And what was honestly a pretty ugly game between two teams that likely won't be in the playoffs when the time comes. Um, you know, early on this game was was fairly slow. You look at some of the the first half numbers. You know, nobody stuck out with a ton of points. SGA led all scores with just eight points through Q one. Um, Oklahoma City Thunder did a very good job early on, I thought, of attacking the rim. In fact, um, the, the scores tied 26-26 at the end of the first, and out of those 26 first quarter points for the Oklahoma City Thunder, 18 of them were in the paint. So, Oklahoma City did a great job of attacking the rim. That honestly continued throughout the game. They, they got a lot of their buckets in the paint, I feel, as if in recent games, um, you know, they, they got in a habit of, of jacking a lot of threes and, and that's worked in some cases. You know, we've seen games recently on this uh this most recent road trip in which Oklahoma City won four or five. Um they they shot fairly decent from three or at least shot enough threes that the clip they shot at led them to a win and, and did enough offensively. But it seems like tonight was more of a uh, attack the glass kind of night, and when when Coach Dignall, after the game, was asked, you know, is that something you guys put an emphasis on? Was it something that you saw on film against the Spurs you thought you could exploit? Um, you know, kind of like he normally does, he just says, you know, we, we let the game come to us. Whatever the defense is going to give up that night is what Oklahoma City is going to take, and it sounds like, you know, without being part of the game plan early on, they recognize that um, the, the paint seemed open and that's exactly why they, they shot so many shots close to the rim. Uh, halftime Spurs pulled away a little bit. They were up eight with a score of 51 to 43. Um, in the first half, San Antonio did a great job of passing the ball. Uh, their, their assist numbers were, uh, quite a bit better than Oklahoma city. Um, they had 13 assists to Oklahoma city's eight. Both teams were shooting pretty poorly from deep, uh, both around 23% at the halfway point. And again, it was just an ugly, slow game. It felt like one of those games where, uh, you know, first team to 100 would probably be the winner. Um, Ultimately, you know, with that final score of 102 to 112, um, that certainly happened. Oklahoma City barely eclipsed the 100-point mark tonight. Um, But nonetheless, when it came down to it... um, there's really a couple things that San Antonio did that stuck out. First of all, uh, when it came to you know forcing turnovers and executing on those forced turnovers, that was really what they did to to take the advantage tonight. If you look at uh, the actual numbers themselves, uh, San Antonio forced 13 turnovers and scored 26 points off those turnovers. And while that doesn't seem like it would be you know the end-all be-all for the game. You turn around and look at Oklahoma City, and um, they only forced four turnovers the entire game and converted on two points off of those four turnovers. Uh, it seemed to be a point of emphasis in the postgame pressers. Um, both coach and, and a couple of the players were asked, you know, what is it about the, the lack of forced turnovers? And it sounded like from... from you know, coach and the players that talked about it, there just wasn't the level of energy that they wanted. Um, they didn't get up into guys' grills like they wanted to enforce those turnovers, and that's certainly something they're going to look at and and look to do in upcoming games. But you know, you look at the numbers again: twenty-six points off turnovers to two, and thirteen turnovers for Oklahoma City to San Antonio's four. Um, you know, right off the bat, that's an issue. You look at some of the other stats. Um, you know, rebounding. It didn't didn't really concern me tonight. Um, Oklahoma City did win the rebounding battle uh, by by a handful. Um, they seemed to to play pretty well when they out rebounded their opponents, which you know a lot of teams do. Uh, they were out assisted twenty six to eighteen. Didn't shoot well from the free throw line, just seventy nine percent on twenty three of twenty nine from the stripe. Uh, from three-point, neither team really got it going. I mentioned at halftime, both teams were around 23%. Oklahoma City finishes right around 27% from deep to San Antonio's 286 And then from the floor... Both teams shot right about forty-three percent. So again, the 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 shot selection I feel like wasn't an issue for either team. Um, neither team converted very well um, on the shots that they did get. It really came down to those points off turnovers. And then from a you know a sheer player perspective, Hamadou Diallo continues to be a spark off the bench um, after a couple of twenty-plus point performances on the road in New York. Um, he comes out tonight on his home floor in Oklahoma city and scores 16 points in 21 minutes on just nine shots. So a lot of times, you know, you look at guys like Ahamadou Diallo around the league that, that can clearly score points. Sometimes it takes them quite a few shots to do that. Uh, for him tonight, you know, the, the 16 points on nine shots, that that's something you can be uh, excited about. He also got to the free throw line quite a bit. He hit all six of his free throws. Um, but then you look at the rest of the bench Mike muscala three points Alexei Pokashevsky, four points Teo Meledon, four points Isaiah Roby four points Justin Jackson five points like there was there was another handful of guys you know five or six guys that scored off the bench uh, but no one had more than five points and then you look at San Antonio and they had some guys that were uh, a little bit better off the bench they didn't have as many scores. Uh, but they had Patty Mills, who put up 17. Um, you know, he's 30 plus and, and still giving teams buckets. Same with Rudy Gay. Um, he only had 12 points tonight. It seemed like a lot more. He was all over the floor. He had six boards as well, uh, five of 11 from the floor. Uh, he hit two of six from three. So, you know, those two guys, you know, Di- Diallo had 16 uh, on his own for Oklahoma City. But then you look at San Antonio. And when you get 29 points out of two guys off the bench, albeit. Um the rest of their bench only scored six points. Um that that'll do it. Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, obviously not coming off the bench. He's a starter for the Spurs. He's a guy that's known for having huge games against Oklahoma City, regardless of his age. Um in, in past years even, you know, you've seen him have forty and fifty point games against Oklahoma City Thunder, if I'm not mistaken. Um I thought the defense on him tonight was solid. He finishes with 13 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, um, six of 16 from the floor. You know, shot uh, less than 40 percent from the field. That's always promising. Lonnie Walker continues to shine. He's a guy that uh, missed his rookie season due to injury. Uh, he's come back uh, awesome over these past couple seasons. He had 24. Uh, Keldon Johnson with 18. Dejounte Murray. Continues to be a guy that's that's a sneaky stat sheet stuffer, um, you know, kind of like we look at Tyrese Halliburton um, with the Kings. He's a guy that he's he's normally not going to give you you know thirty points a night, but if you look at a stat sheet, he's he's very balanced, and that's what Dejounte Murray did tonight: sixteen points, five rebounds, seven assists. That's kind of his M.O. to this point. Um, certainly a, a most improved player of the year candidate. Just kind of does it all, and then you look at Oklahoma City starters. SGA once again just doesn't seem to feel the need to exert his force offensively. You know, in the first quarter, mentioned he had those eight points. He led all scores. He did finish with twenty points and nine rebounds, but it was only on ten shot attempts. He shot seven of ten from the floor. Kind of like Hamadou Diallo, he got to the free throw line, shot nine free throws, converted on six of those, so so not a great percentage from the line. Um, but anytime your, your young star guard draw foul, draws fouls and gets to the line, it's promising. Again, 20 points on 10 shots is highly efficient. Nothing wrong with that. It's really just more of the 10 shots. Why just 10 shots? You look down the roster. Darius Baisley attempted 14. Al Horford attempted 13. Um, Lou Dort, 11 shot attempts, Diallo nine, like the MO for Oklahoma city in recent years has certainly been, um, you know, spread the wealth offensively. And at least in the, the past season and in, in years prior, it was, it was more of a, an isolation ball and you're pretty top heavy, but in, in more recent seasons with, with Chris Paul and it, for example, last season, um, it was certainly a balanced scoring attack, you saw a lot of guys, you know, average double figures to this point this season. I haven't checked the adjustment since, um, you know, this most recent game. But seven guys coming into this game were averaging double figures in the scoring department. But back to the original point, Shea Gilgis Alexander needs to be more aggressive offensively. Only finishes with ten shots. He was asked after the game and his his post game interview. You know, you you looked great offensively in the first quarter. You were getting to the cup at will. Um, you know, a lot of us were, were on Twitter saying, um, you know, Shay could go for 30 or 40 tonight. It looks like he's getting whatever he wants. Nobody on the Spurs can defend him. And then he just stops shooting the ball. And, and when he was asked about this post game, his answer was along the lines of, you know, in the first quarter, they weren't doing a great job of rotating. I was getting to the cup when I wanted to. Um, as the game went on, they continued to improve their rotations and his lane to the basket. He didn't feel was as clear. So at that point being the well-rounded guard that he is, he wanted to get his teammates involved and, you know, drive to the lane, draw defenders, kick, um, you know, try to get his, his teammates involved as a whole on offense. Um, so it seems like, you know, until he's really, really needed or asked to be a guy on offense, that's gonna, you know, shoot the ball 20,
0: You need indeed five times a
2: game, like we see, you know, some of his peers around the league that we kind of put in that same category. Um, until he's asked to do that, sounds like he's just fine being a distributor, um, doing things outside of just scoring the ball. Uh, I don't know if that's just his personality, if that's just how he fits on this roster, uh, but it'll be interesting to see over the next, you know, few months and even the next few years as this team continues to evolve and, and re- retools towards. Uh, continuing again what his role shifts to
1: credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits credit karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases just pay with your debit card and if you win you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
2: Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top producers, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of all of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is... You can get all of this today for only $15 a month. It's the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to see grow, Hustle is opening the door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. You know, another guy that is certainly going to be a part of that, that retooling and be a huge piece if Oklahoma City is going to be uh, a playoff team or a contender again in the next couple years is Darius Baisley. Um, for me, like, like Baz has had a great year. It, it, the, the thing that kind of puzzles me is the inconsistency with him. Um, you know, he's had a ton of games where you're like, Oh my gosh, this guy is legit. You know, he, he could be the second best player on this roster on a handful of nights, but then he has other nights where it, it just doesn't show up. And that's both for um, scoring and rebounding. So, just looking at his first few games of the season, he had a, a couple of, of nice games to start a 15 and 10 game and then a 9 and 11 game. Then he has a couple of games where you know he has 6.6 rebounds and then 7 points4 rebounds. You're starting to think maybe those first couple of games were just small sample size. Maybe he didn't make as big of a jump as we thought. And then to start off the year, you know, those first three games of this season, 19 and 12, 16 and 8. 20 and 12. And you're like, okay, maybe, maybe Bayes is a guy. Maybe he's going to take a huge leap. Um, could he be a most improved player candidate? He's hitting threes. He's distributing. He's rebounding at a very, very high level. He's able to handle the ball. Um, you know, could could he be the small forward of the future instead of a power forward? Like, wh- what is his future on the team? And then these last couple of games against New York and Brooklyn on that, uh, the second last couple nights of that road trip. 4 points and 7 rebounds, 5 points, 5 assists tonight, 12 points and 6 assists, so it's kind of that that mediocre tier. I wouldn't call that you know his best or his worst. But I'm just curious when the consistency is going to get there. You know, at the end of the day, um whenever you you know pull up a player's stats, it's obviously going to be the average and if you look at Darius Baisley's average, he's somewhere around You know, eleven and a half points and and eight rebounds a game, which is which is solid. You know, for a guy um, that didn't play a ton of minutes last year, only played about eighteen minutes a game. um, I think he's playing around thirty per game right now. Obviously, a much bigger role. You expect the stats to increase. Um, So his his numbers at at a surface level look awesome. I'm just wondering when he has the consistent numbers instead of the the streak of the you know 20 point 12 rebound games and then the streak of the four and five point you know five rebound games when is he going to be that consistent you know 12 to 14 points and 8 to 10 rebounds every given night um, you know it, it could fluctuate a little bit nobody you know has the exact same numbers on any given night but you'd like to see some more consistency out of bays that's that's been my um, my thing I'd wanted to watch on him as the season goes on. Um, I think he'll continue to improve again. He didn't play a whole lot as his, his rookie season until the bubble. He's obviously got a, a much bigger role now. Um, uh, but going down the list, um, Al Horford had another solid night. George Hill as well. Um, Lou Dort. He's a guy that's so hot and cold from three. Um, he, he does go three for six from beyond the arc tonight. Um, that'll continue to improve his numbers, Obviously, does his thing defensively. Um, but outside of that, you know, pretty slow game. Again, um, kind of went through some of the numbers there. If you, if you went back and watched the game, there was times where, you know, three and a half, four minutes would go um, of game time. And it would feel like an hour. I honestly just feel like these were two teams that are obviously not playoff teams barring unforeseen circumstances. And it was just one of those nights where there wasn't a whole lot of action. And that's why we got the score of 112 to 102. Um, some final thoughts here. George Hill, after the game, was asked, um, you know, what do you think about the new NBA protocols? Uh, you know, they, they came out today and said that they were, they're were they tightening some of their rules, you know, no Um, interaction with with other teams outside of, you know, fist bumps and and elbows. Um, You know, you can't have people in your hotel room. They're just really clamping down on what you can and can't do uh, under the COVID-19 protocols. And um, George Hill, don't know if he's going to be fine for this, had a very interesting response. Hamadou Diallo and Shea Gilchrist-Alexander were asked the same question, like, what do you think about the new protocols? And they were you know, kind of in the boat of, you know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to to play this game and, and get this pandemic over with. George Hill, and I quote, I mean, I'm a grown man, so I'm going to do what I want to do. If I want to see my family, I'm going to go see my family. Nobody's going to be able to cancel their whole life. So it's interesting, you know, being a veteran and being a leader in this league. Um, interesting to see someone like him, um have those kind of comments I'm not faulting him whatsoever for having those comments everybody's entitled to their own opinion um you know obviously it's tough to not see your family and friends uh you know people are used to you know going on road trips and seeing their family in different states or or having their family kind of follow them or, or be there at home games and this is you know a really unique circumstance um So it's interesting to to see that perspective from George Hill being a leader in this league. Again, don't know if that warrants a fine. I guess we'll see from the league um, in the near future. Uh, But again, uh, Oklahoma City falls to the San Antonio Spurs, bringing them back down to a 500-record um, there's likely going to be some more shifting as, as games wrap up. But that puts Oklahoma City uh, five at 5-5, five, good for the ninth seed in the Western Conference, um, albeit obviously small sample size with the number of games that have been played. Uh, they lose again uh, next game, which they're on the second out of a back-to-back tomorrow. They're, they could fall to as far as 12. Um, I think people were starting to wonder... <laughs> Is this team too good to tank? Are they going to get that top pick? There's obviously tons of games left to be played. They could fall very, very quickly. You know, the worst team in the West is only 3-7, and so Oklahoma City's not too far from that mark. Um, But it is interesting that, kind of a final thought here, Oklahoma City gets the best two out of three picks of their own, Houston's and the Miami Heat. And right now, if the season were to end... Oklahoma City would get the Houston pick and the Miami pick and give up their own. And I think all of us thought and still probably think that it will likely be Oklahoma City retaining their own pick, which will be the highest, and then likely Houston, especially with what happened uh, post-game in Houston tonight. The Rockets got um, beat up pretty bad by the Lakers, and James Harden had some some interesting comments after the game, essentially saying um, this situation is unfixable. Thanks. It almost sounded like, you know, a goodbye message to the Rockets. Obviously, um, Harden doesn't dictate where he gets traded or when he gets traded. But nonetheless, that puts a little bit of pressure on Houston um, from the Oklahoma City point of view. You know, obviously, Houston's going to get a huge package in return for Harden. Um, but not. I mean, regardless. If they trade Harden, they bring back young pieces or or some other guy or draft picks. Likely, Houston's going to be worse than they are now, which is not great, um, giving Oklahoma City an even better chance to have a second lottery pick. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. The Warriors are on the rise. Um, I say on the rise. They've won, I think, two or three straight, but they're looking uh, like a team that, with Draymond back, could be a top 10 NBA team, which would convey Oklahoma city yet another first round pick. I think early on, Uh, a lot of people wrote that off with how bad they were playing. They seem to be turning around a little bit. They're only going to get better. Steph Curry's great. James Wiseman's going to get better. Um, so for me this season, it's going to be interesting to see some of the other teams and where those picks convey. Um, but until tomorrow night, when the Oklahoma city thunder play their next game, um, hope everybody has a safe night and talk to you soon